Good morning. It's good to see each and of each of you every uh, here today, and good to see you each and every day you're here. So, thank you for joining us. I wanted to mention before we get started, because I, I forgot to mention it to Jimmy, that starting the first Sunday in October, I will be uh, doing a Sunday school class, if you will. I call it Sunday school because it'll be on Sunday morning at nine o'clock in the back room from nine to ten on the uh, Baptist Catechism. And what do we believe, the Baptist faith and message? So if you're interested in wanting to learn about, what is the, why do we believe what we believe? This will be a great opportunity and time to come learn. So I'll be going through that starting the first Sunday in October. Wanted to give that heads up to you, so pass the word. Uh, you know, I, we've been going through the book of Revelation, and you have heard me say as we have started to be on the downslide of Revelation to bring it to an end, but I had talked about a lot of preparedness and, and what the church is going to go through, uh, the world we live in, what we have to look forward to, and I've spent time talking about the glorious scenes of heaven. And what I wanted to do today, and starting today in the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about heaven. What is heaven? Uh, what, what, you know, there's a lot of things that have been said about heaven. Uh, you know, most of the things that we hear about heaven or, or to be quite honest with you, what we desire heaven to be and not what God said it would be. And I want to spend a few weeks in that, then also I'm going to spend some time in hell. And I want to go through these because I want you to understand that these are not just terms we use flippantly in the Christian congregation. But there are real places, and, and one is for the righteous and redeemed, one is for those that do not know Christ. And they are real, and Christ speaks of them quite often. But I'd like to go through heaven, and I want to encourage you, and I'm encouraged with this, that it's going to be a series that we can look, as born-again believers, to look forward to. I would like to share with you that uh, probably over 20 years ago, I hadn't been saved too terribly long, and my wife and I were, were singing in a choir, a church that had a choir, and we had been invited to, to sing with several other churches at a big church in Greenville, and to come as a joint worship service for this pastor-like convention thing. And we were asked if we wanted to do joint music, and we did, our, our choir did. And they had sent us a few songs to uh, uh, prepare, because, you know, you don't want to get in there that one day and everybody's singing in different, you know, things. So they had prepared us. And one of the songs I was not familiar with, but it was a very beautiful song. You may or may not know it, but when we got there, it's called a song, uh, I Want to See Heaven. And as we begin to practice that night with these other joint uh, uh, churches in this congregational setting, in this big large choir, there was a lady who was pretty advanced in her years, was sitting on the front row sobbing during the announcement of the song. In the beginning, as we was going to sing it, she was sobbing just profusely. And, and, and I never will forget, and there again, you've got to understand, I hadn't been a believer too terribly long. I'm sitting there. And I'm, I'm watching this lady sob, and she's sobbing so loud that even though they 70 people in, in this choir, that you could hear it very clearly as people were muttering and talking before the practice began. And, and she's sobbing, and, and the choir director, who was the, uh, the choir director of the host church, he was leading this, he looked at her, and I can't remember her name, he says, do you want to tell everybody why you're crying? And she wasn't crying with with only mourning but she was crying with rejoicing see here was her story you see she had a son who was severely man, uh, handicapped 
physically and mentally. And he was confined to a wheelchair all his life. And that was his favorite song. And in the midst of what he was going through in his life, she said when they sung, I want to see heaven, he would light up and just shake. And he passed away. And his mama was able to live to raise this young man and see him in the time of his life when he would transfer from this earthly body unto the presence of Jesus Christ. And she sobbed with joy because she knew that what bound him here on earth, he was free because of Christ in heaven. And I have never forgotten that. And this morning, I want to go begin a series on heaven. And if you have your Bibles, I ask that you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 10. And I ask that you please stand with me as we read the Word of God. First, or 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10. For we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house made with hands, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You may be seated. I got a little emotional and a little bit excited about this passage. And I want to go through this because I want us to have a clear understanding of what heaven is. You see, what Paul says, for we know. For is from the Greek word gar. It is a completing of a thought. He's going in to complete something that he began. Now, this is where it is beautiful. You don't have to turn with me, but you can if you want to. I want you to think about this for a few moments. Paul is completing a thought of something he had said in chapter 4. He says this in chapter 4, verses 16. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Listen. For our momentary light of, of affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. For we no. For we know. Now here's the thing I want to bring out to you this morning. We know comes from the Greek word oida. It, it means a perception. 
Now you say, Chad, why do you want to throw out the Greek? Now, I know a lot of preachers like to do that to try to show you intelligence, but I, w- I want you to listen to me. It's not by my intelligence whatsoever. But it's very important that we read the Bible. We understand the context in which the writer is speaking. Now, I'm going to give you a principle here that I, I would hope that you would do even in your Bible studies. You need to know the five W's, okay? Who said it? Where was it said? Or was sitting? Why did they say it? When was it said? And what was said? Okay? The five W's. This will help you in your Bible reading and understanding. Now you say, Chad, I don't know or understand Greek. Well, here's the deal. Man, they are great interlinear Bibles and things that can help you. And I'll tell you why this is important. See, the other word for no comes from the word gnosko. That means experience. Now this is where I want you to, 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 to see where I'm going with this. You see, what he is saying for, we know that if our earthly body tent is our house is torn down, we have a building from God. For we know, he's continuing the thought, to tell you that this is not something that we have by experience or we know, but we know because it has been indwelt with us by the Spirit of God. There's a difference. We don't know by experience. We know because Jesus in Luke 24 promised us He would send us His Holy Spirit. And God is faithful in His promises. We do not know it because we experience something through a walk in our life. We know it because of the Holy Spirit that indwells in our life. It's the perception of that which has been given to us by God. For we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house made with hands, etern- not made with hands, and eternal. Let me tell you something. The only man-made thing in heaven is the scars in Jesus' hands. I want to make a point here because this is important as we go on. And this may seem offensive, and I'm not trying to be that way, but we've got to stop thinking heaven is a place of our own desires and wishes that is corruptible instead of things that are made by God's hands, which is uncorruptible. Okay? Now go with me on this. I have used this illustration many times. But I, and I've used it at funerals. But I want to tell you one of the most beautiful poems ever written was this. When life's final picture is painted and the tubes are twisted and dried, when the oldest color has faded and the youngest critic has died, we shall rest. In faith we shall need it, lie down for an eon or two, and to the master of all good workmen set us to work anew. And there will, be a, there will be real saints to draw from. Magdalene, Peter, and Paul, and we shall work for an age of a sitting and never be tired at all. And only the master will praise us and only the master will blame. And nobody will work for money, nobody will work for fame, but each for the joy of working. Each in his own separate stars shall draw the things as he sees them for the God of things as they are. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's Rudyard Kipling. But it's unbiblical. Okay? That's not what the Bible says. As beautiful as man thinks heaven is, we cannot even fathom how beautiful it is made by the hands of God. Because so many people, and you hear this, well, my loved one just died, so they got their wings. No, they don't, didn't. Now, I know people get upset with me with this, And I said it a few weeks ago. You do not become an angel when you die. There is no biblical proof of that. Angels are created beings by the hands of Almighty God. 
who serve and message for Him. They're separate entities. They below Jesus, they above man. Where do you get that? The Bible. You do not become an angel when you die. They up there fishing for the glory of Jesus and they're a ranger made by the hands of God. No, they're not. You see, what happens when we do this, we create heaven in what? Our image. And when I look at this, I see number one and write this point down. That in the passage that Paul has given us, that heaven is a place that's incorruptible and uncorruptible. It is not made by human hands. Listen, John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going, listen, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. For where I am, there you may be also. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Christ, the essence of all purity and all holiness and all things just is to prepare, not us who is corrupted by sin. It's a place that is incorruptible. He says this, We know that at this earthly tent, which is our house is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with human hands, eternal in the heavens. Have you ever thought why Paul used the word tent? You see, according to Acts chapter 18, on Paul's second missionary journey to Corinth, he worked as a tent maker. Paul was a tent maker. And what he understood and is conveying to us that a tent is a temporary dwelling. I don't know if any of you have ever been camping. <clears throat> they call it what, glamping now, but camping? Now, I went real camping one time with my wife and my family. And they were able to put up a tent that only her and the two boys at that time could fit in. So dad gets left out. So we decided to, uh, to create an attachment on this tent and build it from a tarp, is what it was, to the top of this tent to my truck in the mountains of Cherokee in the fall when it rained and it was like 50 degrees. And I hated every minute of it. I froze to death. And I thought about that when I was thinking of this passage. This earthly tent that we have that Paul's taking about, talking about is a tent that is corrupted. Because if you look at it in comparison, tents don't last long. They're temporary. They're not full protection. But this tent that we have will be changed and will be transformed by the hand of mighty God. It's beautiful. It's in and uncorruptible. It is not something fashioned by man's hands. And look what he says. For indeed, if this in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch we, ha we having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed... While we are in this tent, we groan being burdened. 
because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us this spirit as a pledge. I want you to think about this for a few moments. I want you to think about it. Not only is it incorruptible and uncorruptible, it's undeniable. You see, he tells us that God give us his Holy Spirit as a pledge. Let me put it to you this way. We were talking about real estate a little early. That's God's earnest money. Because God has guaranteed it. He has sealed it. He has promised it. And I promise you, he will see it to the point of completion. God promised us His Holy Spirit. We long for that home. Not because we want relief just only from this present world. It's not that we want to to have things a lot better than we have them. Of course, that is the result of of receiving the crown of eternal life. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know about you, but I want to see Jesus. And he who made this incorruptible and uncorruptible and undeniable place for us, for those who have placed their trust in him, there's nothing greater to look forward to, people. There's nothing greater to look forward to. You see, right now in this tent that I dwell, I'm encumbered just like you with all kind of problems, with worry, with, with, with persecution somewhat. Not like we see it in other places. I want to use that word lightly. But we always surrounded by the troubles of the world. But Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. And what he means is this. We may have temporary troubles and afflictions, but for those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ, we have an eternal home. And that's something that you cannot deny because faith Our faith in Christ, it is hope in what is not seen. What we see is corrupted, but what is unseen is made by the hand of God, and it's uncorrupted. John MacArthur said this, God's gift of the Holy Spirit to us is His verification to us that our salvation, listen, will be completed in glorification. Amen? That brings me joy because I want you to understand that as a born-again believer, our desire and our walk should be that we live in a temporary home and our homes in the future. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. I'm going to tell you, I'm not afraid to die. Sometimes I get a little concerned about the transition. But I'm not afraid to die. Why? Because I know death is not permanent for me. And it's not permanent for you either if you place your faith and trust in Christ. And again, it's undeniable. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You see, I have had the privilege to stand before a lot of people in, 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 in funerals. And the greatest thing that I can say at a funeral is for the life of a believer that you know what? They may have left this world, but praise God, they in the presence of Him. And it's a world a lot better than anything you can ever imagine. But not everybody 
gets to say that. You see, heaven is undeniable. It is promised by God. It's there. But not everybody goes. And I want to be clear on this. Because this came up just a little bit ago, actually, before we prayed. I heard a person say in that prayer, I have a deep concern for the lost, and it's troubling me. You see, understand this, that unless a person is born again in Jesus Christ, they will not be in the presence of heaven. Now this is something that we don't like to hear. I'm not going to lie at somebody's funeral. And I've heard a lot of people say things, well, they're floating with Jesus. If they're not born again in Christ, no, they're not. You see, here's the thing, and this is why I brought this up. We should, as believers, understand that since this is temporary, there's only two places for the dead. Heaven and hell. And since we desire to go to that eternal home where we receive the crown of glory for our faith and trust in Him, we should desire that other people want to go there too. This is where we miss it. Now bear with me. Last week I told you that Revelation 21 says there will be no cowards in heaven. No immoral. No idolaters. And he says this very clearly because these are the people who have not overcome. And I thought about that and it's been on my heart so much the past few weeks about the cowardly. And I shared a little bit about that with you last week. You see, the cowardly are those that are afraid to pronounce Jesus in front of men. The cowardly are those that live in fear continuous. We will all be afraid, but the spirit of fear is not something that continually conquers us. You hear me? Does that make sense? Because we have an assurance by God the Father. We have His pledge and He is guarantee us, without a shadow of a doubt, a home that is beyond this place. A home for the righteous and the redeemed. But not everybody will be there. So as a born-again believer, you know that it's incorruptible. You know that it's undeniable. You need to continually share the Word of God with others who are going to leave this world one day. I want you to listen to me. And I want to share this that everybody would have a clear understanding. If statistics are right, okay, most people are not saved. If statistics are right, they will tell you that in the American church that most congregants aren't believers. Why? Because just like heaven, just like our picture of Jesus, we have created these things of God in our image. And not words written by the very one who wrote them. And see, here's the thing. God's word is uncorrupted. I am corrupted. And that's why I said it's very important that where Jesus says that we should not add to nor take away from his word, that we need to read the word of God as it is and understand that what he said is true. When I begin to add things, when I begin to add things to the word of God, I have made him an image that I desire him to be. Does that make sense? Okay. I want things my way. We cannot corrupt the word of God. 
in understanding that if we believe that He is who He says He is, then we will have that desire, and I'm going to go a little further with this, to tell others about it. Look what He says. Now He has prepared us for the very purpose of God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, very important, being always of good courage, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage. I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Be of good courage. We as born-again believers, since we know that He is incorruptible, it's undeniable, we need to continually, continually live, listen, for the place that is desirable and for Him who give us these things. One of the biggest problems that we have is the Christian church today has lost its courage. He tells us twice... To be of good courage, and I won't say the Christian church, I'll say the American church, I'm sorry, I said the wrong word. We've lost our courage. We've began to give in to the things of the world because it's not nice to say. We have forgotten to address sin as sin. We have forgotten to tell people the truth because we have been a people that will comply instead of a people that will take a stand. And I want to encourage all of you that, listen, today in the world that we live in, we need brothers and sisters to be of good courage. Because we have a home made eternal hands and not corrupted human hands. We need courage, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We are of good courage, and I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and be home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have our ambition whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. Did you hear that? Whether we're here, whether we're not, our goal is for the glory of Jesus Christ. That we are pleasing to Him. You see, I often think that many times as I say that heaven is a place that is desirable, I know that it is a privilege to be with Christ. He poured His wrath, God poured His wrath upon His Son, something that He didn't have to do, but He did it willfully for me. It is a privilege to be with Christ. It is a privilege, as Paul said, to suffer for Christ because He is worthy. You just read that, sung that. Christ alone is worthy. I desire for that home. I don't know how long I have left on this earth, neither do you. Death is no respecter of persons and it's no respecter of age. I encourage you to walk through a cemetery. We shared this a few minutes ago in that prayer. That your life is a dash. You have the point in which you were born. You'll have the date in which you will die. But what tells more about your life is the dash. What did you do for the glory of God? It is a privilege to serve Jesus Christ. And whether I'm in trials and tribulations or whether everything seems to be going my way, it is for His glory and His glory alone. But let us think about this for a few moments. Let us think. 
Is your desire to be in the presence of Christ? Do you desire that daily? Do you desire that others come to know Christ? And most importantly, that Christ knows them? Is that your desire? You see, I could not help but think of a song called, What a Day That Will Be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. You see, when I get to heaven, yes, I want to see my grandfather. I want to see some of the friends that I've missed. But the person that I want to see is Jesus. Because he's the one that died for me. Heaven is not somewhere I want to go just to see others. I want to see Christ. And then maybe I'll find out who wrote the book of Hebrews. But I'll tell you this. I want to see Jesus. And every one of us should desire to see his face. But he has promised us in this text that heaven is a place that's uncorrupted. It's a place that's undeniable. And it's a place that's desirable. Guys, I don't know what everything's going to look like. I don't know what everything's going to be. But I know this. I would rather be in the presence of Jesus than anything else. I want to close with this thought. I've had the privilege and honor to know a lot of godly people and that people who really desired to see others saved. But I'm going to be honest with you. That number is beginning to shrink. I see amongst a lot of people who claim to be believers a fading away, a drawing away from Him who called us to be who we are. I want to encourage each of you, please, that since you have a Savior who is holy and incorruptible, who has changed you by His power and Spirit to desire and to live as people who are temporary dwellers on this earth. And that understanding those of you around you might not know what you know. And I pray that you have a desire to share what you have with somebody else. Guys, evangelism begins with us. And as I shared with you before, Penn Jillette said, if I really believed, if a person really believed that there was a heaven, and a person really believed there's a Christ, and the only way to be in heaven was to have that relationship with Christ, how much would you have to hate somebody not to share that with them? That's serious words in it from an atheist. It's from an atheist. If we really desire to be in the presence of Christ, we really desire to fellowship with Him at God's table, then we should really desire to see other people know what we know. Amen? Guys, I pray today and as we leave this place, we understand that heaven was created by God who is holy, who is righteous,
who is pure. And all these things that we have heard and all these things that we have said, some may be biblical, some may not be. But what does God's Word say? You know, I don't know what everything's going to look like, but I know by the Word of God and because of His Holy Spirit and His Son, Jesus Christ, I want to be there. And it's my desire that you do too. But not everybody will. You see, I often think that Listen. I, I just want to shoot you straight. As I was preparing this week for this message, I've been real emotional. And it really got to me to know that there's some people that I love. There's some people that I care for. There's some people that I see every day that unless they're saved by the blood of the Lamb, they will not be fellowshipping with me in the presence of God. And you know them too. And I cannot help but believe and see as I yearn to stand before Christ, to stand before His eternal home and His eternal kingdom that He has created, that I desire others to be there with me. I want to give you this challenge that if somebody goes to hell, they need to be tripping over you on the way. They need to be tripping over you on the way. I want you to think about this too as well. You may not know this side of heaven, what an impact you have on somebody. You may never cause your testimony. Wouldn't that be a blessed thing? Wouldn't it be a blessed thing to know that if we lived our life, whether at work or whether at home, we live as those that desire a heaven and ho- heavenly home and live like that, regardless of what we go through, instead of somebody that lives like they complain about everything? Because, listen, as born-again believers, we're going to have trials and tribulations. It's going to happen. You will find death. You will find sickness. You will have issues. But this is not our home. We are just passing through. My home is beyond, somewhere beyond the blue. The thing about it is, is this. I know that while I'm here, I have a job to do that has been purposed by Holy God. And that is to preach the Word of God and to share others the same love that can be found in the blood of Jesus Christ. But also to warn people, those that were out Christ will die. He that dies with the most toys still dies. We talked about this Wednesday. But understanding this, I have something to look forward to because I have a pledge by the Holy Spirit, by God Almighty Himself, that there's a home beyond this that didn't cost me a mortgage, that they're not going to repossess, nor termites destroy the foundation, but a home built by the holy hands of God. You ought to be of good courage too, amen? We're going to heaven, yay! We're going to heaven, people. If you're in Christ, if you're Christ, you're going to heaven. And we should rejoice. We should leave this place in good courage. And not leave this... Listen, I I can't... I said I was going to say one more thing. I lied. I'm sorry. Guys, listen. That's why I'm talking on heaven. We're going to heaven! 
We shouldn't leave these doors. Well, this sure was a great service. I'm going to heaven. Praise God. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. My mama's sick. My brother's got a toenail infection. You know, I mean, <clears throat> these things happen. We know this. We know this. But it's temporary. It's temporary. And we should be excited. You know, there are those who are born again that are in Christ's presence now. You think they want to come back? They don't. Yeah, they loved you. Yeah, they loved what they had here. But they loved Christ more. That is the point of all this. They love Christ more. And one day, because of Jesus Christ, I'm going to be in that present. This tent that Paul's talking about, as rough as it looks, it's going to be changed into one that's permanent. This tent is made as hard as it may be blown by the winds. It's going to be in the presence of an uncorruptible God. And I desire to be there one day. So what will that look like? Well, I'll tell you next week. But I will tell you this. Listen to me. When you leave these doors today, when you leave these doors, you rejoice if you're in Christ. But listen to me, don't rejoice if you're not. You said, Chad, I've never made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. You can you see, I don't know when you're going to leave this earth, but you can know how you leave it. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In me. Which believing in Jesus is a commit to Jesus. That you commit all aspect of your being to Christ. And you turn from your sin. For faith will bring repentance. Period. And when you are following Christ and not following yourself, you're doing what? You're changing directions. Following Christ is a change of directions. It's not some mere utterance of word or some loose belief like you would believe that that pencil is falling off the table because the wind blew it from the north. Believing is a faithful commitment to Christ and following Him with all aspects of your being and turning from sin. Have you done that? Does your life reflect it? Because I'm going to tell you, if it has, then you will understand that heaven is a privilege that was given by the hand of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us from our sin. You will understand that it is a place that is undeniable because God's Word is true. And you will understand that it is a place that it is desirable because your life is but a tent and one day it will be made new. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your grace and mercy. We thank You for all that You continue to do in our lives. And God, as we leave this place today, let us focus on You. Lord, if there's one here today that is not a born-again believer, God, I pray You convict their heart before it's eternally too late. God, I know one day I'm going to be standing before Your presence, not because of something I've done, by no means. It is not of works lest any man should boast, but we are created in Christ to do good works. In other words, Lord, it's not me working because to get to salvation. Lord, I serve You and work because of the salvation You have given me through Jesus Christ. 
Lord, it's not something we can achieve on our, our own merit. But Lord, it's something that You do through the work on the cross. And Lord, through the work on the cross, we have been born again, redeemed. We are a new creation. And God, You have given us Your Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the One who convicts us of all sin, the One who leads us to use the gifts that You have given us. Lord, the One who gives us comfort and peace in the time that we need it. You promised. And that's undeniable because God, if those are born again, they know that it's real. God, I pray today, if one is not a born-again believer, that You would convict their hearts before it's eternally too late. Lord, for those of us that are believers, like I said a little early, the church, the church, churches are shrinking in size. Lord, people are abandoning truth, Lord. But truth is found in You. And You prepared us. You said the narrow is the path that leads to righteousness and broad is the path that leads to destruction and few find it, or few find the narrow path. But God, we are to stay faithful. And even though this is said, Lord, we don't know who's going to be saved. We don't know who's not. But Lord, what we do know is You've commanded us to go share the good news of Your Son, Jesus Christ. And we relieve the results to You. God, I pray that myself, this congregation, Lord, Living Way Community Church, would not fall into the American Christianity or the world Christianity, the way they see it, that is a self-centered Christianity that desires to be glorified with their own hands. But Lord, a church that seeks to give You glory because You alone are worthy. And we prepare and we proclaim and we lead by Your Spirit, Lord, the truth that is found in Your Word. Lord, we know what any of us are capable of. But Lord, we pray that our eyes remain on You. Because God... If one person is born again because of the ministry that you used through Living Way Community Church, Lord, it's worth it all. Because that's someone that will be standing with us in the presence of you. Lord, we continue to pray, we continue to seek that you would continue to save. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it. And all God's people said, Amen. stand and worship with us.